Welcome to Tech This Way. Good, welcome to uh, Tech This Way. Yes, thank you for inviting me. Ah, so where are you calling uh, in from? It's my, I got okay. <laughs> I can see, I wonder where you're from. <laughs> so I'm actually currently in, um, in Brunei, but I will be in Singapore in a few days time. Oh, you're allowed to travel, huh? Yeah, so I got into the founder programs in Singapore. So, and I got done uh, a sort of like an entry pass. Yeah, to travel to Singapore by Singapore government. And, and yeah, Brunei government has already approved as well. So I'm just printing, last night I was printing all my documents, you know, getting all the, the, all the necessary you know, documents and also applications. It was really tedious. I think today I was trying to choose the right insurance. <laughs> All right, congratulations on to, the program. To get there. Thank you so much. Is this the first time you're traveling after like one year of lockdown? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So I'm really excited, but um, I'm grateful as well because it's in the timeline that we're supposed to like, you know, expanding memory, you know, either to Malaysia or Singapore. So I'm so glad despite, you know, the pandemic, we are able to, you know, still looking, you know, uh, able to look for opportunity outside Brunei this yeah. year. Anyway, Queenie, yeah. so before we go more into memory and in a, in a sad way, actually, this is a, a good time to be in your business. Uh, can we, we can go back to uh, finding out more about you from your business uh, experience standpoint, right? How did memory come about? And how is how is a company, uh, a, a Chinese lady even from Brunei go into a, a business like this where there's a full of, uh, your customers are Muslim Muslims. So we can go back as far as you want. Okay, cool, yeah. So, um came a long way actually. Um, I got the idea of memory or, or rather not really memory but an idea you know tr um, trying to you know get people to plan the end of life early um, back when I was starting final year in Australia. Mm. So what happened is one month before my graduation um, my uncle and my grandfather um, passed away both of them passed away, which is about one month apart. So both of them didn't turn up to my graduations, which supposed to, you know, I, I'm being the eldest grandchildren in the family. And, and I'm supposedly is a proud thing by Asian family, right? You know, first mm. to graduate. And, and it was a sad graduation actually. And, and I was so shocked and I, I really didn't expect it. I still remember I was studying for my exam in the morning. I received a call at 10 a.m. And, and, and my cousin was telling me, say, you know what? Um, grandpa has passed away. Mm. So, and, I, and I have to, uh, you, know, you know, pick up my emotion again, try uh, grieve for a bit and then, but pick up again because, uh, you know, it's my final exam. And I think that, you know, 
And I know that, you know, they're really looking forward to seeing me, you know, graduate with a degree in Australia. So I know that, you know, the best gift for them or the best way, you know, to make them happy and proud is to graduate. So, so I really, I just have to a few minutes to grieve and pick up my emotion again and, and, and did well for my <laughs> exam. Yeah, so it's just after the, after I think about two, three weeks after my grandfather passed away, I received another call from, um, from, mm. from home and then telling me that my youngest uncle, which is a father figure to me, passed away. And that mm. really, like, you know, it's like a double shock to me. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> and, and the same thing as well. And I, and I have to, you know, like ask some of my cousins to, you know, like, you know, back then it was just the start of iPhone, iPhone 1, I think the, the, the first smartphone. Mm. You know, so, so, and I was like, I'm um, asking somebody to, you know, like give, give me an update, you know, about the funeral. And I was sitting down, you know, in my study room, I was thinking, you know, you know, I, I, I wanted to attend the funeral, but I can't because it's just so far away and too much cause involved. And, and I want to be part of the funeral as well, you know, in some way, like, for example, able to see, able to say goodbye for the last time. I have, I've, I've, you know, like, you know, just, you know, get to see them. Um, in the coffin or something like that, or, or rather having, you know, like a, 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 a reef flower or something, you know, something, something that would present me mm. at the funeral. Mm. And I was like, why, why don't we have things like this? You know, and, and how sad it is being so far away and unable to, you know, be present at, at the, you know, and it's the, and the, the only time in your life. <laughs> mm. At least participate so that, somehow, right? Mm. Yeah, right. So, so, so that, you know, kind of like triggered me, you know, to, to value life and also to think about, you know, having something that, you know, allows, you know, next time, if anything happens like that again, and I, I would have some solution, you know, to this. So I thought of a lot of ways after my graduations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one thing that um, discouraged me for continuing my studies in Australia is because um, during that time, my grandmother was actually a diabetic a patient and at a critical condition and I have to come back. So, so after graduation, I come back three months later, my grandma passed away. So three oh, people no. in half a year time. And that was, uh, you know, I, I'm not too sure how to describe, you know, probably the, the, the most depressed um, period of my life. But that was the biggest lesson I've learned. I have learned to, you know, I have learned that life is so fragile and I have also learned that, you know, you must, you know, appreciate, you know, people around you and don't take things for granted. Yeah. And, and, and that time I value my life so much to the point that I tell myself, you know what, I, I have to live, you know, as if tomorrow is my last day. So I did a lot of things in, and yeah, I did a lot of things. <laughs> I went into like volunteering work. I started NGO. I did so many, so many things after my graduation. Yeah. So what did you graduate from? Time, uh, economics. Okay. So were <laughs> so, you thinking of working straight away or so what was your plans? Actually, I was bonded. <laughs> I was a scholarship student. So the time I came back, the government already said that, you know what, you have to start working. So I don't have much time to, to grieve, to kind of brag as well. So straight away going to work, um, and yeah. So that time, I think 
I was really into environment work because that was something that I'm passionate about, raising awareness about climate change. Yeah, and and we were set up the set up NGO and also clubs, and they were quite active. And we eventually won some awards and get recognized as well um, in Southeast Asia. Um, and then fast forward five years later, which is back in 2017, that's where you know the magic equivalent of Brunei started. So the government started to you know. Mm. Um, to have initiative to diversify the economy. What's yeah, it called, so that the program? Um, so they set up the entity, uh, which is called Darussalam Enterprise, which is mm. magic equivalent, to okay. encourage uh, a, 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 a statutory um, body to encourage entrepreneurship, yeah, to, to help the startup ecosystem. So that's when, you know, because we are an oil-reliant country, so... Um, you know, startup is not a thing, you know, starting on business is not a thing because everybody prefers to go into the oil and gas industry, become an engineer, you know? <laughs> well, you're in Brunei, right? Yeah, I know, right? But so, so, so you were saying, really... so you were working for five years and then this program started. Then, then what happened? You quit and then decided to start something? No, I did not quit right away because my mentor said that um, it's a risky move. He said that you have no knowledge about entrepreneurship or business. So what I did was I took a night class, which is entrepreneurship uh, and new venture creation. And yeah, so our uni started this night class and I took it and grateful and managed to get distinction. <laughs> so, and that's where, you know, I found that it maybe I have some potential in, you know, in entrepreneurship. <laughs> oh, sorry, so, so you went back to school again? Yeah, I took the night class. Oh, it was a short course. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was a short course. Yeah. So to learn about entrepreneurship. So I didn't know that, you know, there's a difference between uh, a businessman and entrepreneur. <laughs> oh, is there? It's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I see it. And that's mm. what we were taught. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. And I got interested in it. I learned about startups, you know, I learned about, you know, Uber, Grab and all these um, company, which is really differently run, you know, compared to a traditional business in Brunei, which is like supermarket and all this. Yeah. And I feel that, wow. So one thing about, one key thing about entrepreneur is about solving problem and came up with um, uh, innovative ideas or, you know, things that already solutions that not really existed yet. Yeah. So that got me, you know, interested. And I thought that, hey, maybe it's a good idea to start memory, but I got stopped by my mentor again. <laughs> He said that the ecosystem is not ready for you. He said, if you were to venture into memory at, at that time, which is like four years ago, I said, I can guarantee you it will fail. <laughs> I'm like, what? I, at first I thought that they're just, you know, being discouraged and then, and then all curse me, all these things. But uh, after, you know, went through this course and I realized that how important an ecosystem is, you know, you need to have the infrastructure there. You need to have the VC grant and your investors. Otherwise, how are you going to, you know, it's, it's going to be very hard to bootstrap and start when all these things are not there. Payment gateway, especially. So, so that's when I started um, with a group of friends, uh, a company called Startup Brunei. So what we do is like a venture builder um, to, to help connect um, the, the rest of the Southeast Asia accelerator with Brunei to build oh, you the, quit the job and, then, and set this up. I didn't quit a job. I was oh, doing okay. as a volunteer as well. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I love doing things on the side. <laughs> but I'm curious from uh, back to the, the startup ecosystem in Brunei, right? 
because obviously yep. Brunei is quite small. So when when the Darussalam enterprise was set up, was a lot of the ideas there already targeted to be regional because you know you can't depend on just Brunei market. I would say it depends. It depends. It's not easy because think about this. Ah, uh, um, I would say that the idea of startups and entrepreneur is really new in Brunei back then. And 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 you know that being an oil reliant country, right? So the actually a lot of people are actually you know very skeptical about starting business, especially mm. startups. Yeah. So so because of that, and then another thing is another thing is there's not many you know pioneers in in you know in the country or mentor that has really a lot of experience in this field to actually tell you how to strategize things. So because of that, your lack of exposure, all you can think of is kind of like you know, uh, all you can think of or rather being safe is really targeting your own country first. <laughs> mm, okay. Okay. I would say, yeah. But but because I have mentors in in Singapore and Malaysia, so I was fortunate enough. I was taught that you know when I started memory, my strategy was to start in Malaysia first. So my first book camp was actually one three seven by Bricash and Max. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So so that was my first uh, our first book camp. Yeah, so and the second you, one only then. When you decided nine. to help set up the the startup, what's it called again? The startup. Uh, startup Brunei. Brunei, right? So you were yes. still. So did you start memory already at that point or? No, no, yeah. no. Oh, okay. Not yet. That was four years ago. Was mm. it? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the idea ago. in terms of a business was still something along the lines of memory, lah. Something around legacy planning. It was always there. Yeah. Uh, Startup Bruna was a venture builder just to. Um, so we invited a few international speakers, um, those who came to Brunei and then share their experience with mm-hmm. Brunei startups. You know about how to run startup and how to run business. So it's just to raise awareness about. Startups and entrepreneur and all these international idea and teaching Bruneians how to you know um, look beyond Brunei. So that was the whole idea of that company. Yeah, oh, and so connected that, that to your, that triggered you to hey maybe you should start anyway. Yeah, there was actually a, a a recommendation by my mentor to learn about a startup ecosystem to get connected. Is that one of the ways to um. He said your network is very important when you want to run a startup. So, so I'm using Startup Brunei in a way to build my network. <laughs> right. Yeah, and learn from different mentors mm. around the region. Yeah. Okay. So then, what happened after your bootcamp? <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so Startup Brunei, and then later on, very interestingly, we got approached uh, by our set of foundations to start. Um, to start a, a, I would say a project which is the autism center. So yeah, so we yeah, so what we did was there was because of this uh, startup Brunei, we were actually mentoring some startups, and one of the startup that I picked was actually a, a startup that actually looked into you know um, autism education. <laughs> In Brunei. So yeah. In Brunei, mm-hmm. so what I did was that there's lack of resources. So what we did was we become a manager that connects, coordinates the investors and the startup together. So we basically become a coordinator between these two. 
So what we do is, other than being just, you know, mentor the startup, we work together with the startup to run this, you know, this education. Mm. Yeah, with the funding from the investor. So that, um, so that went quite well. So it become a thing right now. And that autism right now, we, after one year, we pass it on to the foundation right now and it's become a national uh, center. Nice. That's under the, under the care of the Ministry of Youth right now. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So then what happened about your own, your own dreams? <laughs> Yeah, right. So I think because of the starting of the autism center, that was like, it's, it's, a, it's actually, um, it's basically coming out with vocational uh, programs to help the uh, differently able youth, so those who are, you know, um, a working age, mm. to help them, equip them with life skills and also employment skills to get them, you know, help them to get a job, something like that. Yeah, so we did that for one year and everything was started from scratch because, you know, um, this industry also is not quite developed in Brunei. It's, you know, so, so yeah, that, that project trained me a lot. So, so after one year, my mentor said, you know, maybe it's time to get into memory. Yeah, so that's when I and ventured into memory. Yeah. So in terms of a business idea itself, it was always the same for you? Eh? I would say pretty much around the area. Yeah, and, and you can tell the branding itself. I can tell you it's, it's actually revolved around my, uh, uh, my ancestor. <laughs> oh, what do you if mean? you look at the, so if you look at the, it's actually infinity, right? My logo, infinity. So what I, uh, what I think is, um, I feel that, you know, the person might leave this world, but, you know, whatever memories we have there with that person, it's just, you know, forever living in our heart. Ah, yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so so that's the meaning of it. So and and uh, there's a branches around the logo. So that branches means peaceful. Yeah, it's an olive branch. It means peaceful. So um, when we start planning early, right? So eventually we will have a peace of mind because because imagine a person who just passed away, you know, unexpectedly. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of like worries. There's a lot of things that have not got a chance to tell your loved one. So it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard mm. to leave. So what memory idea is, you know, plan early so that you won't live with regret. Mm. Your family won't live with regret and you won't live, I mean, you, won't, you will actually live at peace as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the idea. So when you started, so when you, your mentor said, okay, maybe it's time, right? So what did you do? You're like, yeah. okay, what, what, where do I start? Yeah, so, so yeah, they said that the first thing is we joined 137 um, on bootcamp, so we pitched. Interestingly, we came a long way, so I tell you. Um, our first idea was uh, e-commerce for picking your coffin. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's, yeah. that's, you know, not too far away from that whole industry. Yeah. Did you know the reason why is because in Brunei, just give you an idea, because I grew up in Malaysia, I know. Um, in Malaysia, um, it's very common to go to a shop, you know, just a shop lot, and then you just pick the coffin. <laughs> oh, okay, I, right? I don't know, actually. <laughs> yes, it is. There's shops. There are just right. shops somewhere in a town, and then you just go in, you know, and just pick a coffin. But in Brunei, because we are Islamic country, and for several reasons, right, um, we don't have these shops in Brunei. At so, all. at all, yes. Oh. Hmm. Okay, so what do people do? Yeah. 
that's an interesting thing, right? Oh. <laughs> Have interestingly because my Brunei family, I mean my family actually, you know, sell coffins. <laughs> So what we have is in the backyard, we have coffins and that is all through word of mouth. No advertisement. Oh, you're not allowed to? Uh, I'm not, I, I hope I don't get you into trouble. <laughs> I've yet to figure out what's the reason, but yeah. I see. So this is how it's been practiced oh, so in Brunei. So, unofficially, I mean, officially, you can't buy coffins in Brunei, right? Yes, yes. Oh. Wow. Yeah, so it's very hard to find, especially for younger generations. So that's when I thought that, you know, maybe having an e-commerce, you know, okay, maybe I'm not a very taboo person, but me, I would love to pick the color myself, <laughs> the color of the coffin, and then the type of the coffin, you know, yeah, what kind of material, all these things. And I thought that it might uh, be a great idea, isn't it? So now this e-commerce <laughs> business makes sense to me. Right. right yeah. Right, right. Of course. Yeah, there is a market for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but what the VC say? What did the VC say? It's just too taboo. It's just too scary. The, the, the customer journey is just not right. You know, if people are not in the right mind. So in Asian culture, we later on, you know, realize that as much as it makes sense, in the Western country, it works. But in Asian country, especially like Brunei, Malaysia and Singapore, I would say these three countries are very similar in terms of culture. The, the, the right journey is you rely on a senior person in the community and that person will just try to arrange it for you oh. and a recommendation and all the community. So, so Chinese, um, normally in Malaysia as well, so Chinese um, those normally will join an association, like a Chinese association, like I'm Chong, right? So in Johor, where I, where I uh, grew up for a certain period, it's like a Chong association will, you know, will come and assist you. So the customer journey is, you know, the association people are the first point of contact. So it's not in the right mind to go to the platform and Google uh, where's the coffin? <laughs> oh, so, so obviously the there's obviously there are coffin shops in Malaysia like, in, in Singapore, right? Yes. So, yeah, so yeah. even here in Malaysia, you, you're saying people don't just go there coffin shopping? Eh? They do, but then it just don't go it online. <laughs> ah, not, okay. It's something a little bit more, I don't know, respectful. Yeah. You need to go and, you know, go to the shop. And, I was, yeah, it's not the, I would say that the idea is a little bit more advanced. <laughs> hmm, so yeah, so four years ago, anyway, that was four years ago. Right, right. So we got shot down by the VC and nobody want to invest in us. They think that, you know, he has some direction and potential, but nah. So that's when we look into blockchain. You should have found you know? some, you should have found some, some Western investors. I think they would have yeah. seen Interestingly, those who contacted us had short interest are uh, uh, investors from Australia and, and all the UK, all this. Yeah, wow. I have uh, consistently received, um, uh, con I mean, like emails from VCs in, in this country that look, wanted to look into us. Yeah. yeah and recently, we were talking to Japan as well. Japan is, I would say that Japan is my role model. <laughs> I mean, if I were to look into this industry, I would definitely uh, number one country to you know, to look for is actually Japan because they are very advanced in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, they have DIY coffin now. Interesting, right? Okay. <laughs> you know, like Ikea? You know, yeah, the Ikea. Yeah, self-assemble, eh? flat pack. <laughs> no exactly. way. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Wow. Okay, that's totally new. I can imagine. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if Ikea will start opening another department. <laughs> 
So we we house you when you're alive. We'll house you when you're dead, also. Right? Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe yeah, I should pitch to them this idea. Yeah. Sorry. So then, okay. So the idea was shut down. No coffins online. No coffin online. Mm. So 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 we look. Um, so instead of looking at the you know death right, which is uh you know further down at the end of the spectrum of the life, I would say. So we move forward to look into planning end of life. Mm. Yeah. So that's when we realize you know what. You know, one of the things that, um, so during my grandparents, you know, funeral, you know, number one thing that arrived was uh, a lot of discussions <laughs> mm. on the wealth distribution. Yeah, yes. very sensitive discussion. <laughs> yes. So even there was a lot of discussion on, you know, what sort of coffin, you know, some, mm. some were saying that, you know, we should go for, you know, like, there's a lot of pattern, you know. You know, um, like you know, whether it's like a lily flower pattern, so whether it's like the Buddha pattern, all this, all this was discussed during the funeral. Imagine that. And if you have more children, ah, uh, who's who who I know who's to be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, who's the how you call that? Who's the 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 decision maker? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Right. So the, the I I see it on my own, and then I see how my family discuss all these things, and then end up not. Really, a you know happy discussion after that. Yeah. And I mean, I everybody that, so emotional at that time, also, right? Yeah. You know, when somebody and, passed away. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that you know what, and I was like, grand, I was like, grandparents, why didn't you guys decide early? <laughs> mm. Right. So, so, so that's when I learned about you know what, maybe we can write it down in our will because that's what it serves, right? You mm. you need to write down your story. I mean write down how you want your asset to be distributed or your, your funeral um, arrangements. So that is, I said, so I thought will will be the, you know, the things that, the documents that make sense to solve this issue. So that's when we look into will. But the issue around the will is, you know, of course, the legal side. And second thing is authentication. So that's when we look into blockchain. Maybe we use blocks because blockchain three, three years back then was a thing. My mentor was like, you know, if you go into blockchain, you will be able to raise funds. The and answer I, is being blockchain, a, yeah. <laughs> being a new entrepreneur, definitely. I was like, yeah, whatever that gets me money. <laughs> Let's look into it. Yeah, so, so we, 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 we actually built it, you know. Mm. I spent half of my investment money into building that platform. It was a really cool one. Um, so oh, basically you go Sorry, to my... When, when you say we, so who's the, who's the team at this point? So uh, we have a mentor, uh, which is uh, Mark. And then there's another guy called Jonathan, which is my co-founder in Malaysia mm-hmm. right now. So three of us, um, actually the one that brainstormed around this idea. Okay. Yeah. So and yeah. In terms of uh, the technology skills itself, where did you find them? Um, so we, because blockchain was a thing back then, so we actually asked around and then get connected to one expert to another expert just to understand how it works. Yeah. And we study about blockchain as well. Hmm. So you set up this blockchain for wheels? Right? Yes. Hmm. So basically you go to the platform, uh, you write a wheel, and of course it will timestamp, right? And you upload the documents to the platform. So in the event that uh, when a, the person passed away, the testator passed away, um, the, we will inform the executor and the executor will get a private key to access the vault. Mm. Yeah. 
and then yeah and then execute everything sounds hmm. cool right hmm. but it was too advanced <laughs> okay so the problem wasn't yeah. the technology lah. what do you mean yes the problem is not technology so that's when i realized that the problem is the topic itself is a taboo Yeah, it's 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 not about you telling people say, hey, you know what? I have a super cool, you know, applications or or technology that can help you to plan on a flight, and people will just go ahead with it. No, it takes time for emotionally to even think about it, to actually set out and think, okay, I want to plan my end of life. You know that emotion. So so I realized that you know it's not a technology that I need to change. I mean, um, to develop, but rather a a. I need to understand the behavior first. The first thing is I need to understand how to change the behavior. Mm. Already, you know, yeah, introduce something that you know change the norm. Mm. So that's where when I started after all this technology, you know, <laughs> brainstorming. So uh, the second year, I look into psychological, you know, behavior mm. on on this memory mm. thing. Okay. And that's when. I discover Miraf, which is the Islamic one <laughs> ah. version of memory. Okay. Why? So remember, we're talking about changing behavior. The mindset has to be there first, right? Meaning to say, willing to, you know, the thoughts or the teaching of, you know, willing to start planning in advance is very important. Yeah, and that's when I learn about Farukifaya. Mm. Okay. How, <laughs> right. how did you find out? So, Oh, because the rest of my teams in Brunei, so or we hired and then and we hosted one funeral workshop together with a, a Islamic startup in Brunei. Mm. We hosted in our co-working space. Imagine that. Okay. <laughs> and having the, you know, we kafankan the body. Oh wow! In so was that the first time space. you were exposed to the Islamic way of uh, burial? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And I like it. And I was like, wow, this is. Definitely the way to go. No coffin, <laughs> save a lot of cost. Yeah, and, and and the way the way that you know uh, the Muslim mandikan jenazah mm. was so clean and was so well done. And I feel like, and, and, and yeah, I just fall in love with the idea. And and I just feel like the good thing is I have so many participants. The ticket was sold out in 24 hours. Mm. And what was the, the what was the place, purpose right? for the workshop in the first place? To to teach people about uh, Islamic funeral arrangement okay. procedure, yeah. So when I ask the participants, say, hey, why why are you guys interested? We have participants from as young as 20 years old to as old as 40 plus. And I was asking them like, why did you guys you know attend this workshop? They said that it's it's compulsory, you know, it's it's necessary to know it. And and they told me about Fadukifaya. They have learned it in Ugama school. It's just that they was not being able to practice it. Mm. Yeah, so having this kind of workshop to just kind of like recall and refresh the mind again about the procedure was a good thing, so that you know, yeah, that can help you know the neighbors and the community whenever times come. Mm. So that's when I feel like wow, because it's in the how you said it, it's in the religions that you know um, that religious teaching that you know. Um, I would say that it's because it's in in their teaching, it's it's a it's a something that they need to learn. Yeah. So it was, so it was easier than in instead of convincing them to learn. It's like they know they have to learn. You have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So, so I so, assume so there were there were not that many similar courses in Brunei lah at the time. Yes, yeah, not not many. So it's either conducted by the Ministry of Religious Affairs, but in the I will say that in a like a startup level, all this like uh, it's not really common. Hmm. Yeah. So that that workshops kind of like I was there, you know, not been gone viral, but rather become a a, a hot topic. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So so that's when I knew that you know, yeah, maybe this is the answer wow. to to the to the questions that I've been looking for, mm. right? So so yeah, moving forward, we started to look into this area and then found that you know. So what are the things that we need for um so what are the things that um so what are the things that we need to host a Muslim funeral? So the most important thing is the the kid, right? <laughs> the mm. Janata kid. Mm. So that's when we start, start doing research and ask, you know, how easy to get the kid. And then everybody was like giving different information. They said that, okay, you go this shop, and I go this shop, don't have. And I go that shop <laughs> and I have to assemble the items, you know, from from so many shops. And I'm like, yeah. why can't we get it in one place? <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's so when I, we... I don't know how, I guess in Malaysia, you just go to the mosque and the, and the mosque will sort it out. You know? So I, I'm sure yeah. Brunei is something similar too. Yeah, something similar too. But the thing is, not, we also found out that not all funerals are hosted in the mosque. Some people not, yeah. Some if you actually knows how to do, uh, if you yeah, know you can, how to, you, can you do know, it at home. Mm. you can do it at home, right? Exactly. Mm. So because of you doing it at home, you need to find a kid. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I never thought of that. Mm. Yeah, so that's how it is. So so that's where we develop the the kit. The next interesting thing is because people think the point of contact is the most, right? Yeah. And we also found that there's uh, more than 50% of the people cannot afford to pay for the kit, even though it's uh, slightly lower than, you know, the non-Muslim funeral. But we also found that 50% of the, the, the most that we ask, uh, a lot of them, there are many underprivileged family can't afford it, you know, especially, you know, forking out of money, you know, in just a few hours time. Yeah. 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 And we thought that, you know what, maybe it's a normal thing to get people to donate those kits to the mosque. <laughs> hmm. So that those underprivileged family don't have to worry about it, and and think about this, you know, what are the chances of you donating a Janata kit? <laughs> you have donated uh, a lot of things, but then donating a Janata kit is like <laughs> different level. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's something that you just don't do, lah. You know, I don't yeah. anyway. Um, but maybe I should after this. Yes, maybe you can use our platform. So, so, and this is the Ramadan period. So we started this campaign, you know, with Launch Good and also raised a campaign in Brunei. And, and yeah, it's written quite interesting. Wow. <laughs> we, so yesterday, became, I think was it. So this yeah, Janaza kit became one of the parts of your business. Yes. So, so yeah, so we thought, so Janaza kit become a conversation, um, converse, conversation starter for end of life. It was really interesting. Yeah, if you go ahead and ask a Muslim saying that, hey, you want to do what set out Iba, right? Chances is they will still, you know, ragu ragu and think about it. But if you tell them, hey, do you want to, you know, donate Janaza kit? They will be interested. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because I think that it's interesting. And I think that donating a Janaza kit is a very noble kind of action. Mm. 
Hmm. Yeah, and especially during this Ramadan. <laughs> so how did how did that evolve then in Brunei? I mean, at the start of your business, so you started doing this, it suddenly become quite well received. Then how do you start going into the actual um, legacy planning part? Yeah. So so we actually so the memory we started as a will planner right so remember the blockchain so I removed the blockchain but keep the will writing platform mm. you can go to memory website and then um, register an account and you just have to click 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 you fill in the form a PDF will be generated you have to print it off and that is a a will as good as you know with the the lawyer the basic one mm. so you just have to Uh, sign it along with two witnesses and to get validated mm. so so that so people know that know us for being a will uh, planner yeah but the thing is it didn't uh, it didn't uh, I would say that it didn't go as well as I expected is because um, the non-muslim because will applicable to non-muslim and the non-muslim committee in Brunei is about 10 to 20 percent <laughs> I guess you know everybody there then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, and another the, the interesting thing is, the moment we started memory, I received a lot of inquiries from the Muslim saying that hey, I want to write it, but I said it's not applicable to you. Ah, okay. So that's when I thought, you know what, I should look into Sharia law. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, so I because Sharia law I have not really studied yet, so so it took me a while I would say. So while we were you know put we was you know, validating the Janata kit, I was learning about, you know, the Wasiat Hiba and Farah'ed. Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, right now, the Janata kit is already on our platform. Um, people can buy and donate easily. They don't have to go through us. They just make a payment online. We will just deliver the, the Janata kit. So, now, um, we also have, uh, they can make appointment with us so that we will connect them to the law, Shara lawyer to do their Wasara Hiba. And also recently we were connected, uh, we were in this Etika program, <laughs> thanks to you, that we got into this program, we were got connected to Maslaha Tech, which is a Malaysian company that actually developed the system, system for the Malaysia uh, Sharia court. So now we are working together to do the Brunei version uh, easy for us. Yeah, so soon enough, we will back to being a, one-stop platform legacy planner again. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, give me a second. I, can you hear the rain at the back? Yeah. Ah, Sorry. Sorry, it's been raining every day. No worries. It's hot in Brunei. Oh, so coming back to the geography for the business itself. So you obviously started with the with the kit in Brunei. Then when did you leave Brunei and, and started going elsewhere? Oh, uh, I was at the 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 Janaza kit orders uh, were developed during COVID <laughs> last ah. year. Yeah, so. So 2019 was discovery about memory, you know, the whale planner and also psychological behavior, all these things. So 2020 uh, was the time we locked down in Brunei and that was the time that we started to, you know, look into developing Miraf as an Islamic brand and, and localize 
the whole memory, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so we spoke to Imam, we spoke to Pengkapai, you know, whoever that's in this industry. Yeah, yeah. so so I think fortunate enough, we, we got into a magic program and that's when we start pitching in, you know, this idea in Malaysia and, and started to forge some partnership, mm. you know, in, in Malaysia because we actually we wanted to venture into Malaysia because I would say that Malaysia has a bigger market. Um, we have actually done our research um, in terms of underprivileged families, there are more and then there are more. And then, um, so I'm following this, uh, this uh, Facebook page. So this uh, interesting uncle, he's, uh, he's, he's a Chinese, but he's called Uncle Kentang. <laughs> for Mr. Potato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've heard of him. You heard of him? Interesting guy. So what happened is he has been helping, he has 24 hotline that have been helping the Muslim community actually with the Janazah van because uh, a lot of them do not have enough money to pay for the Janazah van, you know, um, you know, bring the, the deceased home. Or, yeah, so, so what he did was, you know, raising funds and then, you know, he, he started, he actually provided a lot of Janazah kids, sorry, Janazah van. Mm. So, and I thought that, wow, I've been following him and, and he has cases almost every day. Yeah. So, so I thought that Malaysia would be a bigger market in, mm. you know, you know, this Janazah kid will definitely help more Malaysians. So I guess the problem right now is the lockdowns, right? It's, it's, it's kind of messed up your plans. Mm. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but I guess it's also an opportunity to expand your network, right? Before you jump in. Yes. And also to yes. polish up the business, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, Magic was really helpful and Etika pro uh, Accelerator Program was really helpful as well. So, so that was the, the program that we joined uh, last November to, you know, this mm. February. Mm. Yeah, we get connected to many, many mentors um, and a startup ecosystem in Malaysia and get a, a much better overview on the startup ecosystem and, and also this idea. Yeah. So I think right now what we are looking for is actually just set up the operations and, and gather the kit and then pack and yeah, do the same thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what is the plans? I guess right now is a question of, I guess, growing the, the business a little bit more in Brunei. But what's the plans? Assuming, you know, the COVID thing, you know, everybody gets vaccinated and you can start traveling again. What's the, what's the plan in the near future? Actually, right now, as I mentioned earlier on, um, I'm going to Singapore uh, next. And I do feel that, you know, Singapore... Uh, so far, I've joined accelerator program in Malaysia and Brunei. I have not joined one in Singapore. And I feel that I want to connect the dots because these three countries are the country that I'm targeting and also Commonwealth country. That's, you know... Um, other than that, we have similar culture and similar demographic. <laughs> So, so I think the missing puzzle right now is Singapore, so which is very fortunate I'm going there. So I wanted to connect the dots and learn more and gain more networks there. And hopefully, you know, um, once the borders open, because Singapore is just next to Malaysia, <laughs> then I should be able to, you know, set up the operations again and, and go back to the plan that we have earlier. I guess it sounds like you've got two different businesses in a way, right? The, for the Muslim part anyway, that is the... The kit, the Zinaza kit. Um, and then there is the, the will writing, wasiat writing, half of it, right? For both of them, what are the who are your competitors? Or do you have any competitors? Uh, 
I would say that as a one-stop platform that I have not seen one yet. Yeah, as a one-stop platform that provides end-to-end. I've not seen one. But if you were to split it like, you know, funeral director, you know, those who sell the Janaza kit, of course, there are, you know, if you were to, you know, people who do Wasana Hiba, of course, you know, like uh, Maybank also does it, and then Amanara also does it. But, but that was an idea, right? Back then, I just feel that we have insurance company. We have this, you know, uh, Wasya and Hiba, you know, company, and we have funeral director, but they are not connected. The reason, because they are not connected, and, and, and I feel that the, the way you plan an advice is not really holistic. Yeah, so what we're trying to do is to connect them. We are the coordinator. I will call myself a coordinator in some way. <laughs> hmm. Yes. Okay. So what about the team itself? Uh, you started off with just the three of you you mentioned. So how has the team grown? So we have about uh, six people. I've been mean seven right now. Hmm. Yeah, six to seven right now. So uh, one just left us. <laughs> yes for a better opportunity, but it's good for her. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the thing is in Brunei, so um, they, we have an operation team in Brunei right now, and actually all of them are Muslim, so which will be fully focusing on Miraf, while I will be going out there to set up another operation, which is great. You pick another, <laughs> uh, another team in other country. Uh, which means that it, it is quite, it's not something you can do remotely lah, per se, right? You do need to have the local teams. Right? Yeah, I would say, yeah, you need to get to know the right people because this industry mm, is interesting. You know, getting, I, I, um, I like to take young people, but the thing is young people are not exposed to this. <laughs> so it takes time to find the right people. I would say that when I look for the people, I look for them, whether they have this compassionate, you know, heart that, you know, or, or they have some experience around end of life. Because if you have experienced, you know, death in the family, more likely you will understand the pain. Yeah. And, and those who have elderly parents, they are constantly worried about. Yeah. So those are the people who are more eager to learn about, you know, our solutions and able to think because they are also thinking for their family. Yeah. So I guess Malaysia being the larger Muslim uh, community, right? Uh, you need to spend mm-hmm. a bit of time to grow the business here, I guess. Pick the right state, I would say. <laughs> ah, okay. Why do you say that? Um, I actually explored... Okay, I grew up in Johor for a few years. So I know Johor, how the demographic is like. <laughs> and, and I actually were in... I, I was actually in Penang as well. Because the Penang was... Um, the startup ecosystem... Um, it was quite robust in some way, yeah. It was yeah back then, but it's a it's a different market. <laughs> mm. It's not a mid-off market, yeah. So I would say that one, if I were to go to start the operation, definitely I would pick KL, yeah, Alsalango. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah, because um, the startup ecosystem and also because of you know the resources and everything, it much makes much more sense. And my co-founder is there. Ah, okay. So what about jumping over to the biggest Islamic population there is in Indonesia? We thought about it, but then uh, we actually done some research, but I also feel that as much as uh, uh, as much as it's a big market, but then they uh, was told that it's quite cemented, uh, cemented like, you know, 
the different area kampong has different culture and different way of handling it mm. so yeah it's really hard to standardize things mm. yeah so because the local kampong right you know the, it's every i can tell you in malaysia there's different material and different length <laughs> oh okay in brunei we use about 40 inch and then i think that in malaysia they use about 60 inch Okay, well, you know more about this than me. <laughs> yeah, they have different material. It's harder yeah. material and it's pre-cut. So yeah. all the, you know, the, the, the parts are all pre-cut. In Brunei, no. It's a thinner version and then it's just in one roll. Oh, so, I yeah. see. Okay. So imagine in, in, in Indonesia and every kampong, they have different way of doing it. So it's really hard to standardize it. So I would say as much as the... I would have population is big, market is big, but you have to look into what business you are providing, whether you can standardize it or not. Yeah, and whether it, yeah. how easy to scale. And the thing is, payment gateway will be one of the issue which I heard from a lot of like startup that venture into Malaysia. Payment gateway is one of the issue because uh, how you gonna reach to you know Indonesia, uh, a, Indonesia. yeah Indonesia a much more rural area. Mm. Yeah, so delivery is uh was a logistic wise it was an issue because it's like so far away and then the traffic issue again. <laughs> Yeah, actually, with that population, I wonder how do people deal with it today, right? I mean, obviously, people are dying, so I wonder how they handle the jenazahs over there with such, I mean, lower income and you know, all over the place. I wonder. Maybe the items are more ones. accessible. The more items are more accessible in in those country. Yeah, I was told that. That's they they said when I said that the idea of jenazah kit, they said, "Ha, huh? this kind of thing you can find at the kedai rintil lah." <laughs> okay. But not as a kid, I guess, but it's yeah, you just much more easily accessible. Yeah. And I wonder if people are just more aware of it too. Yeah, I guess. Mm. Not too sure. But it will be interesting to find out. That's my next studies. <laughs> I wonder if there's Jinaza, you know, the workshop that you did in Brunei. I wonder if there's such things in KL, in Malaysia. Hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure there is like, in a small scale, especially by the Imam. Yeah, it's a it's a it's kind of workshop that you know some imam will teach <laughs> part of a you know part of kifaya. I mean, for me too, right? I learned it in school, but the only experience I have is when you know there are passings in my family, immediate family, right? That's when you yeah. practice, lah. I mean, not practice. That's when you actually use it, right, to do it. Um, but I have not come across any. Awesome. Maybe I should go to the mosque a bit more, like I'm sure they they do this training and all that lessons. Uh, but I would say that it needs to be more. Uh, people actually want to learn. I think it yeah. needs to have more this kind of workshop. A lot of people have been asking. They wanted to learn a lot. Yeah, and yeah. even I volunteer myself. I said, uh, if there's any, you know, funeral, can I can I go and mandikan? <laughs> then the pengkapa was saying that. Uh, but then you can't read the doa. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, how is that, right? Do, do you get interesting questions? You know, say, hey, why is this uh, Chinese girl be doing this business? Was that, was that um, they, they, do, they do feel very, like, you know, puzzled at, at some point. But I also feel that um, because in Brunei, you know, like, if, if you study in public school, you actually have to study uh, Ugama and Al-Quran. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So I study. So I mean, 
I will say that my cousin, which is a younger generation ones, much better than me because they started in primary now. <laughs> Back then, you only started in yeah in 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 uh, secondary school. Right. So yeah, they're better ugama than me. <laughs> oh, so that's mandatory for everybody. Yes, if you are studying in the public school. Public school, okay. Yeah, and we had to wear tudong. So people were like, because I have worn it, you know, throughout my school years. Ah, and so and now I start wearing it again. Yeah, when I started wearing it again, they were really surprised. I said, wow, I said, we all wear it, wore it in, you know, in high school. Oh, wow. So, 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 so not much of big gap and big difference, I would say. So it's, it's just continue learning what you have learned in high school. Yeah, I mean, which is I'm glad because I have at least I have foundation right now, so I'm not totally new to it. Mm. Okay, cool. So uh, we almost oh, almost an hour already. Um, oh. So any any last words? Any last things you want to share about about memory? Yeah, I guess um, I read and thank you for this opportunity to share about my journey. Okay, some really interesting one. <laughs> Uh, but I think at the end of the day, um, because recently I just, you know, one of our good friends who just passed away as well at the age of 25, it was an accident. Yeah, and, and, and that, that got me really thinking as well. So I think um, my piece of advice is really, really to, you know, start thinking about this topic, you know. Yeah, and not just for you, but but for those who are going to be, you know, left behind, you know, and, and, and it's really traumatizing to, you know, experience, you know, sudden death, especially without having the chance to say goodbye. So, yeah, I know it's kind of like depressing, but I will say that, you know, let's start, you know, get into this topic and, and yeah, thinking about it and reach out to me whenever they want to talk about it. Okay, so let's uh, not... Let's not finish on a on, on that depressing note. Do you have a few more minutes? Let me ask you. Um, you know, you were saying about four or five years ago, the ecosystem, the startup ecosystem, right, in Brunei. Um, at that point, you said, you know, nobody wanted to do it. Everybody was all and yes. Um, and nobody wanted to set up businesses. And all that. How has that changed? So today, do you see more openness to startups and ecosystems? Yeah, definitely. That's so many, so many, especially COVID period has flew up. And almost, I will say that almost people around me, my friends back then who were so skeptical about starting business, they all have IG business now. (laughs) Baking, all sort of, you know, all sort of cookies and all these things. And then now it's the point that you decide which friend to support. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so it's very encouraging. I would say I don't think that the trend is just happening in Brunei. I think it's happening um around I mean mm. around the world as well. Mm. I think people are becoming more entrepreneurial. Mm. Yeah, and, and willing to, you know, are, are are more I don't know, motivated to, you know, venture into business or or start start sharpening this, you know, whatever mm. skill they have and start selling those skills. Yeah. Yeah, so it's good. So what about the Jerusalem enterprise? Is that still uh, going strong? Yes, yes, yeah. They have more right now. So they discovered that in Brunei is a small market. So they instead of focusing on them, back then there was an accelerator program for tech startups. I would say startups. So now they have a mini. Uh, that was said they have another bootcamp focusing of the F&B industry as well. So which I would say is a good idea because. F&B in Brunei is definitely the way to go because Bruneians just love food and <laughs> yeah. 
so 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 it goes um the program gone very well and some of my friends who are in the fmb industry also go through the program to you know to develop further in their business yeah i would say it's very encouraging i'm really happy to see how brunei has finally you know uh, be more open towards you know businesses and all these things and hopefully one day we'll be able to you know moving away from the oil and gas <laughs> yeah yeah well it's not going to last forever right our lifetime for sure but you know our children grandchildren maybe not yeah hopefully we can become you know another hub yeah for i wonder how the you know the electrification of everything right it's going to impact some places like brunei right Mm. You know, electric cars and, and and all those kind of things. Yeah, I think they just recently launched as well, going to the pilot project of you know electric car. I have an hybrid car. <laughs> oh, cool! Good job. Yeah. So, but you did say you were quite passionate about the you know yes environment thing. Right? Yes. Yeah, in I fact, in Brunei, you should just all you need is a bicycle, don't you? It's so small. <laughs> No, it's just so so far away, and it's so hot unless yes. you are in the Western country. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm, like already, I'm already skinny. yeah. So I sorry, don't want to lose my weight again. I'm already very skinny. I don't want to lose my weight. Well, that's that's good. There's all these food startups over there, like. <laughs> Okay, the thank you. <laughs> okay, Queenie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amran. Thank you, all everybody.